When you talk about the West, if you understand yourself as bearers of that tradition, we don't have the right to despair, we have a job to do, and that is to seek the good, the true, and the beautiful, and to leave the rest to God. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, and as you know, I've tried very hard to disassociate myself entirely uh, from my son Spencer Claven, no relation, to keep him from being swept into the maelstrom, the seamy maelstrom of my reputation. Uh, but I have to talk to him today because he has written uh, what I have to say is an actually sensational book, uh, How to Save the West, Ancient Wisdom for Five Modern <laughs> Crises. Very big book. Oh, well, we have this. <laughs> <laughs> you have to, you have to wait, lift weights for a month before you can <laughs> purchase it. <laughs> I just wrote this because I just, I was trying to get you to acknowledge it. I just want <laughs> acknowledge paternity. <laughs> I just thought I wanted you to be proud of me. <laughs> well, I, I have to confess, I'm, I'm relatively proud of you. It's like, there it we is, go. <laughs> is, I can go home now. <laughs> it is it is a tr terrific book. Uh, ancient wisdom for five modern crises. I mean, the first question that comes into the mind is why do we need ancient wisdom for <laughs> modern crises? Yeah, you and everybody else is asking this, I think, because, you know, we have this thing, I, in the book I call it chronological chauvin this kind of assumption that newer means better, that basically all the answers to all the questions were like thought up so, shortly after Darwin is a discovered evolution and science basically replaced like the Bible and Aristotle and Aquinas. I mean, this is kind of the modern wisdom, yeah. like what gets passed for wisdom. And what I argue in the book is that in fact, with this digital revolution we're going through, with the kind of sea change we've seen in the way that we relate to each other, the way we communicate with our, all of our technology, we're actually being forced up against these very fundamental questions. It's not just that the technology is new, it's that the questions are actually really old. What is humanity? What is man? What's our place in the universe? Um, why should I get out of bed in the morning? Um, why am I, as a human being, worthwhile when my machines can do things so much faster than me, when AI can outstrip me in all of these ways? Um, and actually, those fundamental questions, what's the point of man's existence, where do we land in the universe, those are the questions that have been argued over and debated for millennia, for thousands of years. And the answers that come down to us through the wisdom traditions of Athens and Jerusalem, these two great pillars of Western civilization, are in many cases saner, more intuitive, and clearer than everything you get from, you know, the modern gurus of the age, from your, like, Mark Zuckerbergs uh, of the world. So that's the point of the book, is I think people need to be equipped with this stuff if they're going to make sense of uh, the, the coming centuries. Huh. I, well, the first thing I, I should ask you, I mean, I have a question to follow that up. But yeah. before that, I should ask you, why, why you? Why should I? I mean, I've never listened to a word you said. Why should anybody? <laughs> why should you start now? <laughs> yeah, well, right. Well, I, I think this is a, you know, a really important question because you, when, when you title a book, How to Save the West, there's a certain imposter syndrome that sets in, right? You know, like, uh, and it's such a big ask. But that's actually the whole point. You know, uh, when I hear from people about this stuff, uh, I, you know, I spend my life out here offering people the wisdom of Aristotle and Aquinas and trying to kind of crack open these great texts uh, for folks. And one of the things that I hear is this real sense of despair and fear about the future of the world. It's like every day you wake up to a new news story that seems to threaten the end of civilization. It's like they're transing the kids, they're 
destroying the economy. They're, you know, teaching everybody to hate themselves, essentially, and one another. Um, and people start to feel like all of this wisdom from the past is really great, but it's all falling apart around our ears. And what the heck can I do to fix any of it? It's all so much bigger than me, you know? And I think that there's a really big mistake we make when we ask that question. We think of it as if we're like Ron DeSantis. We, we sit around and we think, what's the law that I can write tomorrow, you know, that would change the world, fix the country? You know, we imagine ourselves as if we were, you know, in, in the position of the governor of a state or something. Um, and, and that's when despair sets in because we're not in that position. We don't have that kind of power. We can't muscle the wheel of history backward. You know, we're not going to uh, transform the country overnight. And so, you know, what we need to understand is that, yes, we have the vote and we have these, you know, ways of participating in the political uh, debate, but there, there must be something, there must be something more than that. The West, uh, as distinct from, you know, America and the 2024 election or the economy, the West, which is a tradition uh, of, of a great conversation that has been passed down from generation to generation, um, actually doesn't live in these massive kind of uh, structural concerns that you have. It lives in every human heart. The West is saved every time a single human heart is rescued from nihilism and despair. And so the point of the book is, you know, who am I? Who are you, right? You are actually the, you're an end in yourself. And the things, that, the ways that you show up tomorrow, the things that you do when you wake up, how you show up for your kids, uh, the, the way that you seek the good, the true, and the beautiful is going to matter uh, infinitely more on an infinite scale um, than anything you could do to, quote, unquote, save the world. So actually, this, this wisdom for saving the West is uh, more actionable, more practical, and more human-sized um, than a lot of the things that we tend to worry about in the day-to-day. -day. When, when you talk about human size and saving a human, yeah. there's a theory going around now that basically we're moving out of the phase of our old humanity. They're moving into what Yuval Harari called homo deus. We're yeah. going to become so much bigger than this and that the old questions actually don't apply. Why is that untrue? Well, this is a big part of the book. Uh, I, I talk about the body crisis, which is kind of a way of talking about our humanity, right? Why shouldn't we just, um, you know, transcend our flesh? Our flesh is fallen, it's broken, we die, we break down. Um, and this comes to us in a million different ways. We think these are different, but they're actually all kind of part of one trend. When, when people say to you, well, your gender is kind of a shackle and you should be able to change it at will. You should be able to change from a man to a woman. Or when they say to you, you know, you're actually not as smart as you could be. Let's put a chip in your brain to um, enhance your capacities. Or, you know, when they say, actually, it's fine for you to just have all your interactions over Zoom because mm. that's, you know, the essence of you is somehow contained in these digital uh, communications. Um, all of this is part of the same mistake. It's part of the same error that sees a human being as kind of like a little spark inside of a machine. And what we are is like these kind of floating spirits piloting these meat suits. And wouldn't it be great if we could just get rid of the meat suits altogether? And that's transhumanism, that's post-humanism, that's all that stuff you're, you're talking about. Um, <laughs> one of the points that I make in the book is that this is an ideology which is singularly ill-equipped to deliver on the promises that it makes. You always get these people saying, we're going to move past our human form, and then we're going to be happy and free, and everything's going to be great. Well, 
how is that working out for us, right? The more we go online, the more we reduce our lives to just digital interactions, the more we perform surgery, these, these terribly invasive surgeries on, on children, um, the worse it gets, the more sick we get, the more depressed we become, the more disconnected from one another. And this, I think, is a really important key uh, to one of the things that I really articulate in, in the book, which is that we're not actually going to float up into some imagined future out of our bodies. What we are fundamentally, crucially, is embodied souls. This is kind of a, an ancient idea called hylomorphism, that, that you're not just like a, a ghost in a machine. You're actually a, a spiritual being who is expressed in the medium of the here and now, in the medium of, of flesh. And I think the more people recover that, the happier they become. And, and I, we really need, I, I think, to gain ownership over that sense of joy that we're living into in, in the here and now. People have been talked out of by all of these kind of fancy uh, theories, but they, they really don't work. The, the ancient stuff works better. So it's almost as if the ancients set the tone of what are of our problems yes and the same problems keep coming up again and again of course of course and they come up in new ways in each era and the technology that we're currently faced with is more advanced than than they had and we think that that means that we must therefore have moved beyond somehow what they had to say but you're exactly right it's it's not like that at all it's like a, a seed that is growing outward into more and more complex iteration it's not like we've you know moved past the questions that aristotle raised it's that those those questions become more and more urgent as we become more and more capable in all of these technological ways. So, you know, the example of, of transgenderism, I think, is really important here. It's like you, you come to somebody, you come to a child, let's say, and, and people say these terrible things to, to kids like, you know, you can be a boy or a girl or neither or some, something in between, you know. And you see the confusion that, that sets in that these kids faces because, of course, you know, children have this kind of innate connection to the reality of, of what we are, which is human souls embodied in flesh. And as we grow older, we become more complicated. We get all sorts of, you know, all sorts of other things occur to us. But fundamentally, it's not like we transform into some other kind of species or other kind of being. And that's kind of what the position that humanity is in, right? We began with these these foundational questions, and we, you know, came up with some pretty good answers to them. Um, and as we grow and we develop, we have to take those answers into the future. But we can't just leave the questions behind altogether. It's a recipe for for disaster. Mm, yeah. You're really not as bad as your mother says. You know. <laughs> <laughs> is she talking about me behind my back again? <laughs> the, book, the book is absolutely great. It's called How to Save the West, Ancient Wisdom for Five Modern Crises. We're going to do two more of these to talk more about some of these ideas specifically uh, because each one is interesting in and of itself. But the book, again, How to Save the West by Spencer Clavin. No relation. 